Hey listeners, I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with manager Christopher Silveri. Christopher is the president and CEO of Center Stage Management, a talent management company based in New York City. Christopher's clients have reoccurring roles on FBI, Bull, Blue Bloods, God Friended Me on CBS, Gotham on Fox, Manifest, New Amsterdam, The Blacklist, Blind Spot, Law & Order, SVU, Chicago PD on NBC, Ozark, Orange is the New Black, Jessica Jones, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, House of Cards on Netflix, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Mozart in the Jungle on Amazon, The Undoing in the Deuce on HBO, City on a Hill, Billions, Homeland, Happyish on Showtime, Power on Stars, and Outsiders on WGN. And again, those are just the reoccurrings. Film credits include clients in Big Time Adolescence, The King of Staten Island, The Report, The First Purge, The Post, The Wolf of Wall Street, Ocean's Aid, The Only Living Boy in New York, What Happened Last Night, Going in Style, as well as numerous national ad campaigns and major print advertisements. His theatrical clients have been in nearly every Broadway show, including Moulin Rouge, Bandstand, Escape to Margaritaville, The Color Purple, The Lion King, Jersey Boys, Book of Mormon, Million Dollar Quartet, Beautiful, Hamilton, Clueless the Musical, Heathers the Musical, as well as many others. Listeners, Christopher's clients have been in literally almost everything across film, television, and theater. Also, full disclosure, Christopher is my manager as well, so I'm obviously a big fan of his. We break down exactly what the role of a manager is, the duties and responsibilities, as well as the difference between a manager and an agent. We talk about all the places Christopher finds new clients, and although a very personal and individualized process, what initial meetings typically look like, what he's looking for in prospective clients' work, and his advice about when to seek out a manager. I loved chatting with Christopher about how best to maintain a relationship with your representation. Listeners, this is huge. We talk about how and what and when to communicate and how to navigate the choppy waters of asking your reps for a push for a certain project. Christopher is a wealth of knowledge and has such a passion for what he does. I love working with him and I'm thrilled to introduce him to all of you. So without further ado, my conversation with manager Christopher Silveri. I am here with Christopher Silveri who is an incredible manager. I say that because um, he is my manager. So I think he's pretty incredible. We are not here with each other once again because we are at the time of the social distancing and we are speaking through the interwebs. But Christopher, I'm so happy to be talking to you and that you agreed to do this. And I just love talking and hanging out with you anyway. So now I'm glad we're able to record it. And I'm glad you're one of my dragons. Oh, Christopher and I have been with each other uh, for, been with each other, <laughs> we're dating. Um, Christopher has been my manager for like five years now? Yeah. Oh, a while. And it's been a wonderful five years. We've gone through two two different offices together, two different places, which is which is really cool and a really fun experience to have followed you from, from one place to another. Um, and we're going to hear a little bit about that, you know, later. Indeed. But Christopher, I'm so happy to have you be here. And I just wondered if you could start off telling everyone 
what is a manager? Because it's very different between an agent and a manager. There are differences, there are similarities. I feel like everyone thinks they know what a manager is, but when you get down to it, it's a little bit more complicated uh, than we might seem. So, Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's changed throughout the years, so I think it's best to just start, before we go through the differences between an agent and a manager, I'm just going to start out with what a manager is. And... The truth is, a manager is really all-encompassing. There are many different types of managers, of course, but a manager is basically a business guide and an advocate for the actor. Not always just an actor. It can also be for music managers. It can be for many different things. But that also means that they deal as a linchpin to the actor. They're the gatekeeper to the talent um, that... When the actor or the talent grows into the big celebrity or the star, that team can grow to include legit agents, commercial agents, voiceover agents, legit teams, uh, legal teams, PR teams, stylists, hair and makeup people, personal assistants, so on and so forth. Now, the manager is ultimately the middleman to the client. Um, now, to break that down further, it goes deep into what the client needs and what the client is looking for in their career. This is where it gets a little bit tricky because that's very unique and individualized for each client. No matter where the actor might be in their career, they can benefit from the manager. Now, of course, it's kind of important to note that not all clients at the early stages in their career need a manager. Uh, some just need an agent which is kind of where we'll get into, you know, the differences between agents versus managers. But some do at the beginning of their career. But the most important thing is to say that all clients should do their due diligence on managers because managers have nothing to do with laws, which is, again, the very big difference between agents and managers because anyone can be a manager. Anyone? Yes, indeed, anyone. In fact, there is a term called momager. In fact, many people's moms can be their manager. It's very important to always do proper diligence about management because managers are really there as advice and counsel. There is a law that actually specifically says that the manager is not there to procure or provide work. This is where the difference between an agent and a manager comes into play. So to kind of go into the question about the difference between an agent and a manager, plain and simple, it's a legal difference. Agents are bonded by the state in which they have their business, and very often they're franchised with the union, SAG-AFTRA, and equity. Managers are not. The bigger, more important question is more about what does it mean for the client. Uh, because the agent is bonded by the state, insured, and sometimes franchised, the contracts for agents are regulated. A franchised agent has a limit on how long they can initially sign a client, what they can sign said client for, who at the agency can represent said client in which field, and the most important part, the time frame. A client must be employed within 90 days or else the contract can be void. That's huge. Yes. I feel like everyone needs to hear that. If you're with an agent and they don't get you work in 90 days you are legally allowed to leave that agent. Oh, yes. Now, you'll rarely find a client that will ever employ that clause because 
very few actors want to say, oh, I don't want an agent any longer. Right. Everyone wants an agent because there is this very big hype about having any level of representation. They're all like, oh my God, I have to have someone who's working on my behalf, which um, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's very important to have someone working on your behalf because it's very hard to get into any door. Now, a manager can be used in three ways without an agent. Uh, A manager can help a client prepare themselves for the industry, uh, put together a proper toolkit, uh, quote unquote, um, uh, to go out into the market, to be ready to audition, uh, to get their materials together, to understand branding, marketing, technique, uh, quite frankly, the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. Then you have the next level with an agent then the agent is there to seek the employment. The manager is there to kind of help the client decide if that employment and or job is beneficial to the client in the long run. Is that going to help them take steps forward in their career? That's huge for me to think about because the agent, there's obviously different kinds of agents and different relationships clients have with agents, but it really agents are going to get you the appointments. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe not always the best appointment to take. Some of, you know, based on a lot of different a lot of different factors, it may not be, which I think we can talk about later, it's not the best path forward in your career, but an agent is really just going to keep getting you those appointments, but the manager is there to really decide, well, is this going to help you in the longevity of your career or let's talk about why you should take this appointment or why you should pass on the appointment. It it's um That for me is like a really big key in defining the differences. I think very few actors know the power of the word no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I I don't say that to uh, diminish actors like logic in it. But the truth of the matter is that is really the difference between agents and managers because agents are part of oftentimes the unions and they are bonded by the States. They have one purpose and that is to employ actors. That mm-hmm. does not mean that they care. Well, let me rephrase. They may often care because it depends on the size of their roster, but they literally have one job, and that is to employ actors. That mm-hmm. is written in their contracts. So if you don't work, then they are not doing their job. That's not always beneficial to the actor's career, which is often why a manager will be beneficial. What What would you say to a client who said, well, well, I have to go in for this job because my agent needs me to pay them, you know, this quota for, you know, this year. And I feel like I need to feel like I need to do that. You know, I'm sure that's a question you get from your clients a lot. Absolutely. Then that's not the right agency for you. Yeah. Any agency that has a quota is maybe not the correct agency for you because if you are a number to that agency then you do not fulfill the desired need there is a level of reasoning for them absolutely because they are a business don't forget it is called show business absolutely but Mm -hmm. did you go into this business to be seen as a business why did you start in this business that should be your reasoning behind that. 
ultimately, did you go in to tell stories? Did you go in to create art? Or did you go into this business to make money for someone else or yourself? It's hard to believe that anyone went into this business to make money. <laughs> I think that ultimately people struggle with that, especially right now during this time. Uh, mm -hmm. I think everyone's questioning that. Um, and it will become even more apparent after this. So, you know, the question of who will be over scale after this will be even bigger of a question. Many of these boutique agencies and management companies will be closing. Who will survive will either be the top corporations or the people who actually do not care about only these quotas. And that, that will show who cares more about the art than the dollar signs. And that's fine. Amen. 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 Well Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, anyways, so there's a little bit of my artistic deep thoughts for you. I love that. So that, those, that was our second tier of with an agent. Um, mm -hmm. and then the third tier is just the people who are a little bit more name and or celebrity. And that really is the manager acting as quote unquote, the gatekeeper or linchpin. Um, when will projects keep the client being relevant when, does the client become oversaturated in the market? What makes them box office or Nielsen ratings gold um, while keeping them authentic? That's really what the manager's purpose is to those particular clients. Mm -hmm. so, so that's how a manager is different from an agent. Because again, for those clients, the agent really is just about getting them the $20 million check or the bonus points. Right. Right. Which is important. I mean, we all want that money, but we all want to be, like you said, in this business for the reason that we came to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget sometimes why, you know, in this concrete jungle, why we came, why we came here. But uh, it's, it's important to hear that and to remember it. I am, I love to talk to people on the podcast about, you know, how they got to, where they are, why they chose their path. There are so many careers within this industry that people don't know about when they first start out. They, a lot of people start out as actors and then discover what management, what management is, what a casting director is, what an agent, what a producer. There's so many different um, fields. And I feel like for me, knowing you, you landed exactly where you are meant to be and where your gifts are so appreciated and valued. And I've benefited from that. So I wanted to know, I think everyone would love to land where their gifts are most valued, where they feel like they're making a difference within this business. So, and I know you've done a couple different things within the business. I think I'm right in saying you were an actor when you were younger. Mm, right yeah, I've been a lot of things <laughs> right so I wanted to know if you could talk about that and the different things that you've done you know maybe the moment when you realized oh management that's that's where I really want to be and then I think it's incredibly cool that you have your own office and and how you made that leap to your own office to where you are 
that, that's a lot of questions, but we can kind of go slowly through them. Uh, let's make it as quick as possible because it's a long story, my child. I grew up in the standard suburban family, you know, the kind where you're supposed to grow up and have this career where you're supposed to do what your parents want you to do. I was having none of that from a very early age. And uh, so I started dancing at age uh 13 um, and joined the Glefsky Ballet Company on Long Island. I moved on to other ballet, uh, other forms of dancing um, and started musical theater dancing because I loved theater dancing, which actually turned out better for me. And so then I did musical theater on Long Island uh, with Natalie Portman, Jamie Lynn Siegler, uh, then fell in love with that. And so from there, um, I decided to do early decision to NYU. Uh, not early admittance, uh, early decision. I did get into NYU, uh, but I did not get into CAT 21. I got into another Tisch program. Um, I will not name the name of the studio, but it was not for me. I don't know if you're familiar with NYU's program, but they do not allow you to switch studios. You have to go through two years of training at your initial studio before you're allowed to switch studios. For that particular program, it's a kind of a conglomeration of different techniques. And I remember being told uh, that uh, I was Jack from Will and Grace, and that role was already cast. Um, I remember that I was told if I was going to bottle up emotions all day, I might as well sit behind a desk all day. Remember that I was told that my voice was not my voice, um, that I should connect oh to the, yeah, uh, that I should connect to my own real voice by lowering the tone. Um, lots of different things. Um, but anyways, instead of going to third year because I graduated in three years, I actually uh, decided to go to uh, uh, take an internship, and I started interning at Liz Lewis Casting Partners. Because I figured instead of being on that side of the table, perhaps I would learn better from uh, dealing with actors all day. What kind of stuff was Liz Lewis doing then, specifically? Um, yeah, she was uh, one of the top three casting officers for commercials. Did you know when you were doing that, were you like, I definitely don't want to be an actor anymore and I want to be on this side of the table, or were you still like kind of deciding back and forth? No, 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 I was done. It taught me that it is a business and I only had passion. Um, I didn't have thick enough skin. So I needed to, I'm more of a logical business-minded person. So I needed to help others. Um, so for me, it was not ever going to be my place. So I needed to go to the other side. Mm -hmm. So I was done yeah, that with makes that sense. side. Yeah. So to me, I was uh, moving on to Liz Lewis, um, and I started running sessions within a year uh, and a half. Um, before I even graduated college, she hired me full time. And then about, uh, I want to say four years. There's no offense to casting, because I think it's one of the most important parts of the industry. Um, it was just something about my need for control. Uh, <clears throat> and we'll get more onto that, I'm sure, later. Um, there is really no words of how I can express important I feel how important I feel casting is to every project. But 
the problem I felt about casting for me was there are too many cooks in the kitchen. There's always going to be a producer, a director, a writer, a creator, an MD, uh, an advertising agent, a creative director, someone in the room who feels like their opinion is the most important. And you want to give the best option for the project. That doesn't work (laughs) in a lot of situations because oftentimes there are lists of people that they want to see are the ones that win out. And I feel like the art often suffers. And as a casting director, when you're putting your name on a project, I feel like you can't control the project. Um, And that can be disheartening. So I felt like I lost a bit of my artistic integrity um, that I felt on the other side of the table. And so I was losing a bit of uh, my control. And the and it sounds less creative too. It was for me. Um, I don't feel like every casting director doesn't have that because I think after a certain period of time, your your opinion matters a heck of a lot more. I just I was losing it, um, and I think that eventually it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. Um, so I thought if I can't control the final product, um, I can control who's in the product. So I thought maybe I should work on representing the people who are in the product. Um, so I had the opportunity, uh, to work in representation because I was always working with representatives very closely at, um, an agency called Gilarus at the time, uh, which was a very big, uh, modeling and, um, uh, commercial agency. As we mentioned before earlier about the difference between agents and managers, though, and the whole idea of the unions and the licensing uh, of the bonding of the agencies, uh, as the head of a department, I had 250 clients underneath me. Um, you can imagine the conversations that I was having at Gillivers. Uh They were not so much, oh, would you like to do this project? Is this of interest to you? It was really more about, are you confirmed? <laughs> so it became much less about what are your passions? And I felt as though I started treating these actors like dollar signs after a while. And I, I, I had this kind of come to Jesus moment. And I was just like, uh, you know, if I was still acting, I would hate me. I would not want to ever treat myself like this. Um, and it wasn't the reason why I got into representation. So that was not for me. Uh, it was also around 2008 when the stock market crashed and overall the economy was going down. So it was pretty much around the time that things were not looking well for the the overall industry. Um, and so- I can relate to those times. Ah, uh, right? Yeah, I think so. I think everyone can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was around that time that I actually left Gillaroos or was, uh, you know, basically said, please continue to work for me, but I can't pay you. And I was like, uh, I can't stay. <laughs> so I basically left and took my top clients um, and started shopping around. Um And I had the opportunity to basically go from there to a management company because around that time uh, there was Prestige Management Group who had an opening. I worked there for almost a decade. 
I had the title of vice president. I care very deeply about the industry. My clients' careers will always take center stage to any tangential concerns. So from there, center stage management was born. I love that. I love that. Um, when you And then when you got into management, were you quickly like, because it seems like from the last two jobs that this would be so the right thing for you. Were you right away at, at Prestige? Were you like, oh, yes, management, this is where I want to be? Or did it take a while? Or I don't say this to uh, toot my own horn, but I care very little about myself. I care more about other people's passions. The idea of being a workaholic is kind of second nature to me. And management is a very much so 24-7 job. You are emotionally giving yourself to your clients if you're doing it right. Um, and so working for your clients' passions and giving everything to them and their interests for no reward at the beginning and developing them into something and seeing them flourish, it it means a lot to me. It was the right fit for me. Um, not having to treat them as simply dollar signs, not having to um, only work with certain people as certain corporate agencies might have you do. Caring more about the art than necessarily only the business aspects of it really mattered the most to me in the mm -hmm. management side. Um, rather than deal with lists coming from producers, dealing with budgets coming from certain artistic people. Um, it just, it fit right with me. Um, hearing people's passionate stories that they mm -hmm. wanted to tell. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, my next kind of, you know, before this interview, my next question was, you know, why go into management rather than being an agent? But you've, we've totally discussed that. That totally makes sense. So let's, and so you've arrived and you have center stage management. Let's let's switch gears to just talking about some logistics, maybe for listeners who are thinking about, thinking about a manager. Maybe they don't have one. Maybe they've always like weighed the pros and cons of, of adding a manager to their quote unquote team. I'm interested in if we just talk about where you find your clients. I imagine there's a couple different answers to that. Maybe mostly where you find them or um, if, if there's a good, if there is even a good, uh, you know, single answer to that question. There's just so many ways. I've met clients through referrals. I've met them through uh, just simple networking, met them through teaching classes. I've met them through blind submissions, I've met them through seeing showcases. I've met them through seeing shows uh, all over really. But I will be very honest. Management is not agenting. I what do you mean by that? I am not there strictly to get you jobs. And I, we've gone over that. And I can't tell you the amount of times that, you know, so many of the referrals uh, are really just people who needed to switch 
from agent to agent or the amount of people that were like, I've met at a different show and they were like, oh, my manager's excellent. You should meet with him. They really just needed an agent. So a lot of times there's many different uh, misunderstandings about that. So that that's the only thing. Just because you may be friends with a client of mine doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to immediately take you on or take your quote unquote submission more seriously, or it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to equate contract. Management's a lifelong process and it requires trust, loyalty, honesty, uh, connection, communication. I don't want to breed, like, you know, I don't want to breed, I don't want to breed competition within my own company. So if you look exactly like one of my other clients and you're a complete competitor to one of my other clients, I'm not going to take you on. So that's oftentimes why, you know, you may be friends with uh, another client of mine, but you see each other at every single audition together. Chances are probably not going to want to recommend that person to me. Mm -hmm. What is a person, this is just occurring to me, but what does a person say in a first meeting with you? Or how do you, how do you, understand like oh this actor would benefit from a manager like this actor is ready for a manager and i feel like i feel like i could help this person because they're ready for a manager i think that really depends um on a a lot of different variables how long that they've been in the industry doing Mm -hmm. what they're doing what their resume looks like. Do they have representation? Do they have the right representation? Are they with a representative that may or may not still be passionate about them? Mm-hmm. Have their interests in the industry started changing? Have their ideas of the industry started to morph? Um, and have their passionate stories that they want to start telling started to change like all of those things can factor into something because management again it's such a lifelong process that those are the kinds of conversations that happen agents uh they're again there to get you the job the Mm -hmm. manager is there to have those kind of deeper conversations about you know what is it that you want to do right now what are those stories that you want to tell the agents are going to say great you fit this role let me try to get you that appointment and ultimately that job Mm -hmm. so uh, you know it's more it's more of a a larger question of a personal thing too it, it is it's it's going to be very much so per person and mm-hmm. I, I can't particularly answer that but mm-hmm. when I see it I'm like yeah I, I can see that this person often is a bit blind to that that they need that kind of sounding board they do look for that guidance frequently and they know that they're not getting it or the agency that they are with is a bit too large and they often fall on a smaller scale to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when someone comes in and meets with you for, for like an, an initial 
meeting, maybe they've had a referral or any or, or something. Is there anything you look for? Is there anything on the resume that again, I know it's personal and it's um, but but is there anything on a resume that will jump out at you or that is important to you? Again, I know I know I know from personal experience that you have clients in a range of areas in the business from, you know, early career to very established. Um, but if someone's coming to meet with you, are is a resume you've already kind of said a resume is important. What it, what are the th- things that you're that are, you're looking for? It's not always credits, actually. Here's the thing: it depends on where they are, and that's that's the truth. It depends on where they are in their career. It depends on their age bracket. It depends on so many different variables. I would say that training matters more, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, if you're not going to take your training seriously, we're not going to take you seriously. I'm firm believer in that if you think that you're done learning, you're dead. Uh, You know, you should be dead. You know, the moment that you as a human being stop learning is the moment that you're dead. Um, uh, You know, no artist should ever be done learning. Here's what I think is most important to a resume. Formatting. Formatting. You know, if you don't know enough about the industry to format a resume properly, then you're not ready. Yeah, That's what I truly believe. That kind of information is so easily available. Like, go online. Go take, a, like, a 101 course any, at the Learning Annex. I mean, anywhere. It's, it's so easily found anywhere. So that, I would say, yeah. If you're home address is on your resume, we're going to have an issue. <laughs> it seems it seems to me like people, if they're coming to a manager or they're, you know, at a point where they're, they've gotten a meeting with you, then that, you know, then they would know how to format a resume. But I guess, you know, that's that's an important thing. It's like going into any job interview in the world. You know, you need to have an understanding of the business and your skills and your brand and your business. And, you know, I understand that you take on some early career actors, but at the same point, you need to have enough passion and and knowledge of the industry for you to be able to say, great, I can work with, you know, this. You'd be surprised. I've seen people's social securities (laughs) still on resumes. I guess some people really just want a manager and they're like here take my private information no comments <laughs> yeah i know from my experience with you you know i i'll just share with people listening how how i found you just because i think there's no path that's the same but um but it's interesting just to hear everyone's little paths because then you start to gather little things but i was out um at a concert i was at the rockwood music hall with a friend Kristen coed who used to work at clear talent and i was like talking about oh you know i was with a different agency that i'm with now and i was like well i just feel like i need some more personal attention i want someone else on my team i want a manager and she just automatically was like oh my gosh you need to meet my friend christopher he's a manager he's wonderful and then the next day I had an email from her kind of introducing us. And then I came in and met with you and had a great I had a great time. I feel like we really hit it off. It was just I just had fun talking to you. That's an important thing 
for me as an actor on my side of things, it's like, do I just enjoy talking to the person? Because like you said, it's a long game with the manager and you're going to be spending time with this person. So, and then you had me put a scene on tape, something not that I've ever taped before. And, you know, not for an appointment, just you wanted me to do it on tape. And specifically, you wanted me to do it without a coaching session. Do you usually do you ask for people to is that is that really the format of like what you what you are still doing? And I guess, A, what why do you want people to make the tape and not just stand in front of you and do a monologue? I mean, I have some ideas about that, but um, I'd love to hear what you have to say. And what what were you looking for in my tape or or in a tape that? you know, you've requested from a prospective client? I do that often and for almost every single person, mainly if they show interest in on-camera work. Reason being, I want to see how they go in the room. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see what they do when they are given a scene. Uh, I want to see how they are going to self-direct how they're going to choose to do something that hasn't been coached and something that's fairly new to them. I want to see what's indicative of what they look like on camera. Uh, I want to see some solid choices. Uh, I want to see what they choose. Ultimately, I want to see all of those things. Oftentimes I'll give them a little bit of adjustment. I'll give them some feedback and then I'll have them retake for me. So I can mm-hmm. see how they are when they direct their given direction. And it kind of gives me some sense of what they do um, and how easily that they can adjust themselves because very few people know how to deal with on camera work. And I say that with all of the love in the world to theater actors, but on camera work is a very specific tool. On camera is a medium that is beyond. It's a genuine medium. If you bat an eyelash, it looks like a tidal wave. Uh, It's just so much larger than people understand. And you have to literally gesticulate through your eyes. So choosing a scene that shows your arc through very little movement and not choosing to move and the strength and stillness, I can pick up on that. Hmm. I like to see that kind of work and I can make a lot of judgments within that one and a half to two minute scene that they choose to show me. Hmm. I love that. I think that's really well said. <laughs> I'm learning from it now. I'm like, great, strength and stillness. Love that. Okay, now I want to I want to jump to you're working with that new client. Contracts have been signed, and um, once you're working with a client, what are things that an actor can do to help you do your job? Right, like it's a collaborated a collaboration, and I guess also go, that goes into that is how often do you like to hear from clients and what do you like to hear from them the things that an actor can do to help me is simply by being knowledgeable and i know that sounds very uh the onus is on you but it's not being knowledgeable is the most helpful tool for an actor 
learn the industry, read the trades, research the players, know who works on what. By knowing these things, you become an incredibly more marketable actor. I, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. In turn, you become an invaluable part of any production, whether it's stage, screen, television, tiny screen. You can't tell a story if the production is held up. So knowledge is power. As far as how often I like to hear from my actors, cliche as it sounds, uh, the key to any relationship is communication. Communicate, communicate, communicate is really the answer. I won't force a client to talk to me because they are in charge of this relationship. I am not. The actor has all the power in this relationship. Very few of them realize that, but that's the truth. So they have to talk to me. I will respond. Now, don't start telling me all about the illegal breakdowns you get. Um, don't start because you don't know what necessarily goes on behind most of those. But I will say there are certain things, if you're most knowledgeable and you know a lot about that project and you have a relationship that I do not know about or something that might help me, absolutely communicate with me. And that goes in, I think, to my next question, which is when is it appropriate for a client to ask for a push? And this is tricky. It's tricky because uh, it shows a few different things. It shows that you don't trust that your representative is looking out on your best interest uh, or trust that you're working on their behalf. You might be thinking, but you said communication is key. Uh, I did, but it still is. The question is, uh, what do you think that you know about the the project uh, that your representative doesn't know? Mm -hmm. And the chances are highly unlikely. The work that goes into a quote-unquote breakdown uh, are often formalities. Uh, Much as for political correctness in the film and television world today, and for many network shows, the guests or higher roles are going to establish names, either straight to producer session or straight offers. With theater, the directors, producers, artistic directors, and casting teams all have lists of people that they want to bring in for the roles. It isn't until those actors are set up that the remaining submissions and pushes are even looked Bear in mind, we're in an era where diversity is highly encouraged. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I simply say it is a reality. Casting directors get so many submissions for each role that each project, they already have their lists. Representatives have already been pushing to try to get their top working clients in, and there's a push to get a diverse cast. So what I often do with those pushes that my clients are giving to me, I often turn the question around to the client and say, well, what's the connection that you have to anyone on that creative team? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think the things like if I'm emailing you or if I'm emailing, emailing my agents, the only thing that comes up for me is if I'm, if I, if I'm like, Oh, I have worked with this person or I took a, or this person was my teacher. And I just want to remind you like, Oh, Hey, this person was my teacher for four months. I know you know that, but I'm just reminding you because this is also like a super good role for me. And, right. you know. And that I highly encourage because mm-hmm. sometimes that information may have gone out of your agent or your manager's, inform- you know, head. They mm-hmm. might have been like, oh, no, you're not usually your manager, but often because <laughs> they have much less clients. But often mm-hmm. your agents have probably submitted 30 people for that role. They probably don't even remember where you went to school 
You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I do think it's important to kind of keep your 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 agency specifically representative in the know on that. But I will say, as far as you know, those push kind of emails, I would keep it to that kind of information of just being like, I do have this particular push that might help you. Not those particular pushes that are like, I like this role. Right. That's that's not very helpful. Mm-hmm. Everyone right. likes that. <laughs> Everyone likes the role. That's like saying, I'm sort of teenager and I'm white. I want to be in for suburbia. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but what's your, per- you know, do you know someone? Like, you right. know, there was one time where I, like, knew the director of a television show was like my friend's dad. And so I was like trying to get in that way. Do you know, like there's all these like little things. So that stuff is more important than, um, than, Oh, I just, I just really want to be in this play. It's like, well, great. Your representation already knows that. Right. (laughs) And they're, they have to get you a job. So I'm pretty sure they're trying. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing for me, even in doing this podcast, that's been enlightening is like, yeah, the casting director, by the time they look at those submissions, you know, like a lot of the times 90, you know, even if they're seeing people, you know, 90% of those appointments are already booked, are are already booked uh, of clients they've booked before of people they've seen in shows of people they've taught in their classes. You know, and then they are getting pushes from agencies and managers. But the amount of client, you know, that that they just obviously depends on the project. If it's a regional theater play, it's going to be a different a different thing than if it's a sexy off Broadway production. Do you know? But it's it's different for every project. But that's you know, the submission is it's helpful, but it's not what at least I thought going into this into this uh, podcast was was a bigger deal. Um, It's about the relationships and the networking and getting to know people and getting to have people know you and and like you and and doing work in the city and and having people come see it or why I'm I'm having these conversations. And here we are. (laughs) And here we are. This is an important question. um, And I think you're particularly good at this. When you get an appointment, say I get an appointment from my agent and then we just, you know, what what should be discussed with the manager or what kind of things are taken into account when you're deciding with a client whether they should take the job or not? Absolutely. Anything and everything. There's, uh, well, how about this? Depending on where you are in your career, I often go by the rule of three. And it should check off two of those boxes, sometimes three, at least. Mm -hmm. Would accepting the job fulfill an artistic need, a financial need, or a credential need? I.e., do you need the credit on your resume? Uh, This is more for the first two types of the clients who are in the, the more developmental stages. Nonetheless, it stands. Few actors in these stages of their career utilize the power of no that I was talking about. It should check the two. Um, Once you reach a certain level of your career, the discussions change and it becomes less about financial stuff, blah, blah, blah. But let's talk about it. So basically, financial. Does it pay enough? Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple, pretty clear, clear cut. Does it pay enough? Can it pay your rent? 
if it's out of town, does it pay your sublease or can you find someone to sublease and does it pay enough to kind of pad your, your pockets? Mm-hmm. Then we're going to talk about an artistic need. Is this a role that you actually enjoy? Have you read the script? Does it intrigue you? Is it a story you want to tell? And then of course the final one, a credential need. Is this something that you need on your resume? I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had conversations with clients who like Shakespeare. If you like Shakespeare and you have Beth on your resume, do you need it again? The answer is no. If you have Twelfth Night on your resume, do you need it again? The answer is no. (laughs) Yes. So credential is a very important part of that checking boxes. You do not need certain things on your resume unless it is a Broadway stage compared to Bumble, Iowa. It does not matter. That is a very big difference. So two out of those three should be checked for any job that you are taking. And Mm -hmm. that is important. I say that with all of the love because your agents care more about one of those boxes than any of those other three. Mm-hmm. Which which one is that? Financial. Ah, yes. That's because they have to care about that one. Per what? The unions and the bonded state of, in, of the city that they're in. So mm-hmm. it's important to understand that. Now, of course, once you're at a name level... It's less about any of those boxes. It's more about, you know, remaining on brands, remaining relevant, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this, it's so tricky for me because, you know, I mean, y- you know me, it's like, I just want to work. Do you know? It's like, I just want to have the job. And it's, and it's, it's why I value having you because, I, you know, oh, I, I just want to work. I just want to, I'll go out of town. I'll go do this, you know, and it's, it's really about, making sure that okay if you're gonna go out of town is the director someone that directs in new york regularly you know that's that that is going to direct it you know if if it's a shakespeare play but it's being directed by rebecca teichman or tina landau or sam gold it's like okay maybe you should do that shakespeare play do you know but um you know you want to make sure that it's going to move you for me it's about moving forward right uh, more than anything and and here's the thing, like the financial thing is real. Like there have been times, you know, over like our past five years where I've been like, I just need the money. Do you know, I need a, a job and I just need the money or I need the health insurance weeks. And then there's times where you, you know, where you have to evaluate, like, I don't need the money as much right now. And it would be more beneficial to stay in town. I said no to a regional theater job because I just booked a television show and it didn't really make sense to go to mm-hmm. California in that point. And, um, and it was hard, but you know, you want to, it's constantly, I guess, reevaluating where you are, what, what part of those questions are important. Absolutely. And I, it always changes. And I yeah. think that right now the industry is going to be changing. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's an even scarier truth right now. Because mm-hmm. the industry will be changing. I don't think anyone knows what it's going to look like. 
but all of these things are going to ultimately change. Mm-hmm. The way that your look out, your outlook changes on these things, it's going to change even more so for the industry as a whole. After this pandemic, who knows? I think that the conversations for a lot of Broadway actors are certainly going to change. Now, you know, people who normally never would have gone on a tour, they're certainly going to start to reevaluate that. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, for sure. People who normally would never work for scale, they're certainly going to start to do it now. Mm-hmm. You, this is such an esoteric question, but what is a successful client? I don't know. We, we don't, you don't have to answer this if this is a, too, a, such a weird answer, but um, sometimes I think success, we only man it. We can only think about in one way, you know, am I really high on my IMDb star meter or am I, you know, how many jobs did I book this year? Or, you know, we think of success can be so narrow minded, but as a manager, I wonder, you know, you're in it more for a long game. And I just wonder if you have an answer about, about that. Success is not for me to judge. Yeah. If the client is happy with where they are in their career, then they're successful. Mm-hmm. I, I know that that's uh, probably not the answer you want to hear, but it's yeah, true. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, here's the thing. Um, it, there's so many different uh, reasons I named my company Center Stage. One, it's my initials, CS, Center Stage, Christopher Solari, uh, but also because the client is Center Stage. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's not my idea of success. It's the client's idea of success. Mm-hmm. You're center stage. So if your idea of success is, you know, consistently going out of town and you're considering that successful, then you're successful. Now, if that business is not fiscally fruitful to me, that's a larger story. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I rarely deal with that. I think success is rarely calculated properly. Uh, you know, my validation of a client's success isn't needed. The industry's validation isn't needed. I mean, what do you get into the industry for? Again, we go back mm-hmm. to that question. You know, I, I, you go into the industry to tell stories, to make art. Uh, you know, if you're making steps towards doing that, then you're successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I also think about having more people, I guess for me when I think about success is thinking about the relationships that I'm making in the city or, you know, who's a fan of my work in the business, like getting casting directors to be fans of my work or to know who I am or to, you know, that to be getting into rooms more regularly or to have some casting directors you know, film and television is so different than theater, but when, when with film and television, sometimes casting directors, you know, when they start saying, oh, it's good to see you again, or, you know, they start to really know who you are. It's, it's again, it's different for everyone, but that's that's something that I think about as, as being successful for me. Absolutely. I think that it's all about just being genuine, being yourself and being happy about mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. Because if you're consistently like, oh, Uh, you know, this person got, you know, 15 guest stars and four series regular auditions and five Broadway auditions. I only got, you know, 
one EPA and one co-star audition, I mean, that means nothing. You know, mm. it really doesn't. You, you're doing yourself a huge disservice by looking around the room and consistently judging yourself against anyone. Mm. You know, all that matters is that you're happy with yourself and that you are working on you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, I just want to wrap up with a, um, do you have a fun booking story or any like kind of fun story you want to share? I don't know if it's considered fun, but okay. I think it's touching. My client, Moga, uh, she came from a, a comedy, stand-up comedy background. She didn't have too much experience in uh, representation or too much experience with scripted material, but she's always been this genuine and authentic woman. Um, how did you how did you find her? Actually, through one on one, or actor, I'm sorry, lie actors connection. We just immediately hit it off. She was just such an authentic, like funny woman who just made me smile. And um, one of the first auditions that I ever sent her on was for Genji Cohan's Orange Is the New Black, and it was for like this tiny little co star as one of the inmates uh, in uh, the. Uh, one of the first seasons. And I remember calling her to tell her that she booked it. And just off of one audition, uh, she didn't even have a callback. And when I called her to tell her that she booked it, she had uh, pulled off the side of the road because she was driving and she just started crying. Uh, <sighs> she was just so happy um, that she had booked this job from one of her very first auditions for this through me. And she ended up recurring on eight episodes of the show for three seasons. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, and then, I mean, I'm sure she had a ton of fun on that set and she had a ton of fun on a lot of other sets after that too. So. I bet. Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. I mean, that's, it must be, just very cool for you. I mean, that's, you know, we've talked about, that's kind of why you're, you're doing this is for, you said, you know, helping other people and, um, encouraging other people's passions. And that's very cool. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I feel like we covered so much, so much important stuff. That's just good to know, but also inspirational stuff. And, um, a manager is always kind of a hard thing to for people to wrap their head around because it's not so black and white, but it's all the beautiful gray areas and personal things that that are that have been important to me. And I think it will be interesting for other people to listen to and, and to get some understanding of exactly what a manager does, if it's right for them, when it's right for them. And I couldn't be happier to have you um, as my first manager on the podcast. And I couldn't be happier to have you as a client slash dragon. All right, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you. For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Facebook and Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. And again, if you like what you heard, help spread the word and make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode of The Breakdown. Ah!